0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Mining the Field. Today, we're just going to do things a little bit different, as there will not be any recap shows for this show today. Because there are so many players and coaches, some of these interviews are going to be pre-recorded on dates without any games. So, we will focus primarily on the interviews and still give you a deep dive into Tommy Knocker Baseball. Today's guests are pitchers Zach Camp and Drew Leonard. Zach Camp has appeared in 12 games this season, going 4-3 in and and 8 starts, striking out 44 batters, walking 15, and accumulating an ERA of 5. 25. Drew Leonard has appeared in seven games, going 2-2 two two in five starts, striking out 14 batters, walking 11, and holding an ERA of 6 at this point in the season. And when we come back, it's time to start mining the field, as Zach Camp and Drew Leonard will join me here on mining the field. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Listen, baby. Ain't
1: no mountain high, ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide.
0: gentlemen welcome back to mining the field my name is billy adams i am your host broadcasting intern for the mining city tommy knockers thank you so much for joining me here at kbmf 102.5 fmlp of butte america today i'm joined by pitcher zach camp and Drew leonard of the mining city tommy knockers fellas thank you for joining me
2: yeah glad to be here yeah thanks for having us
0: yes sir yes sir so fellas um we're going to do this a little bit differently today. You know, I like changing things up here on this show and trying to get a different perspective from everyone, but uh, you guys are obviously in college, so we're going to do this a little bit of a first day introduce, your, introduce yourself type of style. So I want to know, and the people want to know, where are you from, uh, what year are you in school, and where do you attend school currently, your favorite baseball team, and then a fun fact about yourself that little people may know or that you just think is fun to know.
2: Okay, I'll go first. Um, my name is Zach Camp. Um, I'm a right-handed pitcher from Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I attend Swarthmore College, and I'm a rising senior. Um, and a fun fact is that I'm a Georgia State champion, but not in any sports, only in uh high school academic team. So, pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, of course you're an academic guy. <laughs>
3: um i'm drew leonard i'm from missoula montana just down the road here from butte um i'm gonna be a senior at the university of sioux falls this year but baseball wise i'm only gonna be a redshirt sophomore um fun fact about me i actually didn't play baseball for 22 months from my senior year of high school my freshman year of college i missed 22 months with having three hip surgeries but now i'm back playing and ready to roll all
0: right before we even like go into anything else 22 months yep all right so three hip surgeries. I actually have, I had a teammate, his name's Caleb, who goes to the same school as I do right now still. He broke his hip. He, um, I think he broke his femur actually in a race and he couldn't walk for six months. So how, how did you end up getting hip issues? Did you break something, pull something?
3: Yeah, I, I ended up tearing both the labrums in my left and my right hip. So oh my gosh, first hip surgery was May of 2018, Second one was July of 2018 on the right hip. And then I retoured the left one in June of the next year.
0: Does it still hinder you to this day? Because obviously 22 months and three hip surgeries, something's got to bother you, right?
3: No, I I feel great. Uh, The velocity is not quite there. But
0: (laughs) other than that, I feel great. I'm healthy again, so I can't complain. And now, you know, I think this is interesting because a lot of college athletes going into senior year or sorry, high school athletes going into senior year they're obviously trying to get recruited. I was one of those people and I know thousands if not millions of kids are out there doing the same thing, but a lot of them don't come in contact with an injury in their last year of play. How did that recruiting process go for you even though you were out for almost 2 years?
3: Yeah, I was lucky enough that I was already committed. I signed in October of my senior year. So, my senior year I was already set on going to Sioux Falls and they never gave up on me. They under my scholarship still like still to this day, even when I didn't play for him for two years. and So I really wasn't too stressed out about it. I got pretty blessed in that regard. I know it could have been a lot worse if I wouldn't have been already committed.
0: Solid shout-out to Sioux Falls, man. That's commitment right there. And you had another injury, but we'll get to that a little bit later and <laughs> give the fans a little bit of a teaser. But nonetheless, what brought you gentlemen to Butte?
2: Um, for me, it was um, uh, one of my former coaches, um coach cardi Uh, i played with him last summer and with this year with covid my college actually canceled athletics so it's really hard to to find a place to play summer ball if you don't have any uh, college statistics for you know coaches to see so i was grateful for him to reach out and you know give me this opportunity um also i i heard it was in butte and i've been to the bozeman big sky area a bunch so once i was able to come out here and play baseball um you know, have baseball take me out here, I, I jumped on an opportunity, uh, so that, that's how I wound up out here.
3: Yeah, for me, just being a local Montana kid, when I heard Butte was getting a team, I had to jump on it. I reached out to the coaches right away, and I still have a ton of family here, and my whole family was raised in Butte, so it's been great to just play in front of family and be back in Montana
0: again, so that's how I got on the team. And now, for you fellas, obviously, this is in baseball terms. This is sort of like your summer internship. Kind of like this is my specific summer internship. Now, before finding out that you are a mining city Tommy Knocker, was there another opportunity, or was there anything else on the table for you to do in terms of playing ball this summer?
2: Um, for for me, actually, opportunities. I was looking into internships in uh, investment banking and equity research. Um, wasn't necessarily dead set on playing summer ball. Um, but when, when my school season got canceled, I was, I kind of made my mind up, yeah, I need to get some reps in to develop this summer. Um, and I didn't really have anything else on the table. So just cause I didn't have a season. Um, so again, shout out to coach Cardi for getting me out here again.
3: Yeah. I, I knew I wanted to play right away and was kind of my number one thing I wanted to do. There was also the team in Sioux Falls where I go to school that's in the Expedition League. Oh, yeah, and, the Sunfish, right? Yeah. yeah. So I could have stayed in Sioux Falls and played for them, but it was nice to be able to get the opportunity to come out here and can't thank Coach Cardi for that enough.
0: Now, what's the experience like? What What's the experience been like for you guys here? Obviously, there's a lot of new faces you're meeting. Some, some, some of you guys were high school teammates, you know, on the Mining City Tommyknockers, but what has the atmosphere been like do you feel like your game has been able to develop here during summer ball? I know a lot of you guys have been impacted by coach Cardi alone, you know, and he stayed for half the season and unfortunately he had to leave due to, you know, job compliances, but nonetheless, he had a big impact on you. Do you feel like overall this summer, this summer league has helped you benefited more towards your game and towards your pitching?
2: Yeah, especially with um, kind of like you mentioned with, with Tom, he's so experienced in the game that, it's, it's really like you come off the mound after your outing and he, he talks you down and it's, it's input that is really in depth. It's not, you know, so, some coaches can just really repeat the same stuff to you and it's it doesn't really, you know, help you further your game at all. Uh, Tom really gets into the the minute parts of the game and that helps you become a more of an, a, a mature player, I think. And that's what I think this league helps along with just, you know, getting quality reps, uh, yeah, I mean, reps paired with quality input helps you further your game a lot. Yeah,
3: I, I second that. It's just from not playing those two years and then not having a great season at Sioux Falls, I really needed this summer to come out and get better and get a lot of experience. And I've done just that. I've had a lot of work with Coach Cowan and Coach Cardi, and it's really helped me further my game. And I was never a starter until the Tommyknockers. And to be able to have five starts under my belt this summer has been huge. Just gaining innings, getting more consistent with it, not riding the highs, having the lows, trying to just stay in the middle ground. And I'm thankful for it. It's been a really good summer, and I feel like I've been a lot better because of it.
0: And Zach, you guys, you and you too, Drew, you guys mentioned reps specifically, obviously for a pitcher that's very important. And with this league, I feel like the reps are different too, because You know, Swarthmore is D3, correct? Correct. And Sioux Falls is D2. So obviously you're facing a consistent type of competition. But with the Expedition League, and I've pointed this out in other episodes to other players, you're getting D1 guys, D2, D3, NAIA. And any of those can be, you know, completely different. So do you feel like the competition has helped you more so than not? Because, you know, a lot of guys are going to go in and say, well, if I'm facing D1 guys, I'm about to get clobbered. And in some cases, yes, and in some cases, no, because there are a lot of smaller, quote-unquote, D1 schools with not as good players. Um, so with that being said, do you feel like the competition in the Expedition League being so diverse has helped you overall?
2: Yeah, I'd say on aggregate, the competition is better than what I've normally faced at Division Three. So for me, I kind of like getting, you know, playing up a little bit, you know, a little better competition. Last summer we got to play in the Northwoods, and that's kind of premier summer baseball, you know, you're playing Power 5 lineups, and that experience really makes me want to, you know, push myself. And coming out here was that as well, playing D1 guys, you know, playing the best JUCO guys, the best D2 guys, some of the best D3 guys. Um, but also, I think uh, reps-wise, the kind of the schedule of the league is, is interesting, too, because kind of you, you mentioned the, the point of this being like our internship all of us kind of our end game is to play pro ball. And this schedule really lays out like a minor league pro ball schedule that we don't get in college In college. You're playing three, four games a week. Um, So that's something that I think reps wise is, is nice because you get to establish your routine, your schedule, and that's very important just, you know, holistically to your career in baseball. And that's something that can kind of get thrown off when you're playing, you know, doubleheader on Saturday. And then uh, you turn around and play a Monday, Thursday game, but you know, here you're playing every day. So you got to stay on your schedule.
3: Yeah, the competition wise, my conference is a pretty big powerhouse in D2 baseball with Augustana and Mankato being in the top 10 every season and two of our biggest rivals there. But baseball is baseball. It doesn't matter if you're a D3 guy, a JUCO guy, or what, you can still go out there and beat anybody. You've seen it with Camp being our best starter this year as a D3 guy and just absolutely shoving it to teams that you wouldn't expect. It's awesome. It doesn't matter where you go to school, how hard you are off the mound your size and strength. its how well you can compete. And that's what this league really shows. And it's really cool to be a part of is just how can you compete
0: now for you two personally and camp? I'm glad you brought up the schedule because I like to also bring this up too with other players. The schedule is obviously laid out like a minor league system. You know, you're traveling, you know, for an entire day and then you're playing six straight games, traveling again and playing another six games for you guys personally. Do you feel like you have thrived off of that type of schedule, or do you think maybe it's hindered you a little bit? And if so, how have, you, how have you tried to change things up in your prep for that schedule in order to play better?
2: Yeah, I'm a guy that, as a pitcher, I really like to throw a lot. Like, I like to long toss a ton in playing every day. At the, at the college level, you can kind of get away with, you know, overthrowing, kind of being not as, you know, not showing as much moderation with how much you throw cuz you're not, you know, you're not playing every day like you said. You know, out here though, you like I said, you really have to establish your routine. So I found myself falling into a much more like healthy pattern throwing arm care routines than I I do when I'm in my college season just cuz you have to to be, to be to be ready to pitch, you know, that every 5th, 6th day, whatever day the rotation you fall on, to be ready to go, you have to, you know, establish that routine early and continue that routine. Um, so that's something that this this schedule has really, I think, helped, especially pitchers benefit from. Um, position players, I think the routine is different, but pitchers, it's especially starter, it's, you know, you have to prepare five, six days for the one day that you play. Um, and, you know, is that preparation long toss or is that preparation, you know, 30 minutes of mobility, stretching, bands, and drive line. Right. That's it's, it's a different it's a mix and you really have to you know feel your body and feel what's best for you. Yeah, I
3: agree with the camp. And for me, it's just I was always a guy that coming out of the bullpen, you get so anxious and so nervous to go in because you don't know when you're going to get the ball next. You don't know when the next situation is going to be. And when you're playing once a week like in college ball, it's tough because you want to thrive in the moment and you prepare so hard for that one outing. And it's cool to be able to play every single day and know you'll live to see another day you have a bad outing yesterday. So what? You have seven more games this week. It's been really cool to see how that all plays out. And we have really good teammates that have been able to pick us up along the way. And I I really appreciate that aspect of it is your one start doesn't define you. One game doesn't define you. Live to see the next day.
0: Nice. Now, as pitchers, I've personally always wanted to know this because I'm a cross country runner. I would not know anything about this. And I want to go into sports, but I also am not a trainer. But for pitchers specifically, how is it that you develop your arm strength or your throwing motion or your release? You know, as time goes along, what kind of routines or programs do you put yourself through in order to develop mechanics like that?
2: Yeah, in I think I'd be remiss if I didn't mention um, he's been on the show, our fellow teammate Kyle Wellman, the Welly. Welly. Yeah, beloved Welly. Um, he's really the, the PhD on the team when it comes to biomechanics and he's he, with him on the team, I've really been able to, you know, I was never really a big driveline guy. He's got me on a driveline program and that really stresses all that stuff. You just talked about your arm path mechanics, um, you know, working on, you know, the, the cleanest arm path you can establish. Um, and kind of, you know, with him almost as a, as a pitching coach, really, um, I guess a biomechanics coach, it's been really helpful. And I've, I think I've made strides of, You know, I maybe had a kind of a choppy arm path when I came here, and now I feel fluid with my arm action, and that's, you know, that's credit to him, you know.
3: Yeah, Welly, like you said, he has helped me a ton with developing my slider and working on. He's great at pitch pattern, and he's really good at developing off-speed pitches, and that's kind of his forte. You see it when he pitches. And just in that regards, Welly's been a great help for me too, but my kind of how I go through and work on getting better is I take a lot of video and try to do video analysis of live games, and bullpen outings, and a lot of flat ground stuff, because I'm not going to overpower guys with my fastball. I just need to hit spots, have a good changeup, have a good secondary pitch to get guys to get themselves out. Hitting's hard. Pitching's easy. Pitching, all you have to do is compete, be in the zone, and just be a competitor out there. Hitting, you don't know what's coming in at you, you don't know what velocity it's coming in at, and you have to react. So I just try to do my own thing and not try to be more than I can be
0: is how I just try to prepare in that way. And, you know, being in the zone, Drew, you were, you were coming in the other day and you ended up getting a win uh, against the peer trappers. I believe it was game two. So game was it game one. It was game one. Yeah, uh, it's fine. You know, I can correct myself on here. It's all good. Thank you for that. But nonetheless, I, I want you to take me through this. So you're coming in for relief. It's the middle of the game. We're up by a couple runs what goes through a pitcher's mind knowing he has to keep this lead and he has the potential to get the win cuz i know it's a lot on your shoulders and i know having fans and then having your teammates watching you it can be a lot for certain people and it's stressful and i want to know like how do you get yourself through that how do you talk yourself through a situation like that to me it's exciting
3: like getting the opportunity i got the ball when we were up i think it was two nothing at that point and lefty had given us a great start and put us in a chance to win and It's just picking up after the next guy, being able to compete, throw strikes, be in the zone, and do whatever you can to help the team win. And I was fortunate enough, I had three good innings. I think it was five strikeouts, which for me, is that never happens. (laughs) It was a really good outing, too. Yeah, so I was able to get the win and help out. And It was my first game back, so I was pumped. It was one of those things that the adrenaline kicks in and just live in the moment.
0: Now, for you, Zach, when you're going into games starting, obviously you – And Wellie said this, too, and I completely agree. You're arguably one of the better pitchers in the league, no doubt. Um, But for you, you know, you've had a couple tough outings. How do you go into a game mentally knowing that, you know, for instance, if you go against Pierre, you're playing actually tonight where that's a team that, you know, is one of the bottom half in the league. But then you go against a team like the Badlands Big Sticks, which is an upper half team do you have a different way to prep mentally or do you feel like every game is the same for you when you start?
2: Um, I would say for me, I, I approach every team the same and that's kind of, I, I kind of have to just because of the type of pitcher I am. I'm like, a, I rely on a sinker uh, pretty heavily. So I'm going to be, you know, I try and, you know, force contact early, try and get outs early at the end of the day. As a starting pitcher, like it's, it's a race to get 27 outs, the fastest, so, for me, you know, uh, an outing like, like, a, like spearfish, so that you know, that's one I had recently that kind of got away from me, and I don't let that get to me because I, you know, if I, if I'm getting hit, I, you know, that means I'm in the zone, and maybe that means my stuff's flat today, and you know, maybe that's a today thing, but at the end of the day, my game is to force contact and get you know weak contact and get outs, and in a game like spearfish, I'd say I got pieced up two or three, four times pretty good. But I think I give up, you know, eight, nine hits that game. So there's four or five hits that are just ground balls they get through. Uh, and I, I can't really be mad at myself because at the end of the day, I'm trying to force, you know, ground balls, contact on the ground. Um, you know, going out against Pierre today, I'm trying to force contact early. I want ground balls. You know, I want to keep my pitch count low so I can go eat out, you know, six, seven, eight innings of the game. We don't have to use our bullpen as much going into a important series of badlands. Um, so just trying to you know work ahead, throw strikes. You know against every I always use this to this mindset going to every start. It's a circular bat. It's a circular baseball. It's already hard enough for the batter, right? So if I'm in the zone and I'm attacking early, um, odds are they're gonna you know miss a barrel. I get a ground ball to the shortstop. You know there's a there's a quick out, two pitch out. You know that happens four five six times in a row. You're in the second third inning before they've known what's happened, right? I don't know, Lenny, how do you go into starts like that? Is that kind of your mindset too?
3: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It. I always have my routine when I start and going through that. It doesn't matter who's on the mound, whether it's Barry Bonds or it's some guy that hasn't picked up a bat before. Anybody can get a hit off you. Anybody can hit a home run off you. So I just try to be the best I can when I go out there and start. And I'm a big guy that is sitting in the dugout, listening to music with my AirPods, just trying to get in the zone, have a little shine down going on oh, and yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> but no, it's... It's all about how you prepare and how you handle it because we control the game as pitchers.
0: And I just have to say, you know, you talked about music real quick. I have single-handedly led two Rush appreciation nights (laughs) dedicated to Zach Camp because, honestly, nobody else appreciates Rush. And it's honestly great that somebody else is a fan. (laughs) But so with pitching, I feel like it's been a big talk here with the Expedition League being a hitter's league, and that's primarily because people don't understand how to pitch in the elevation here. Drew, you're from Montana, obviously, so you know all about the elevation already. Camp, have you ever pitched an elevation like this and does it actually make a difference for pitchers?
2: So it definitely does. Uh and I have had the the experience of pitching at elevation. I actually lived in Breckenridge, Colorado, with some of my teammates earlier this year. And while we didn't have a fall season, we were still throwing bullpens and throwing with each other. And the biggest takeaway for my, my difference between pitching at sea level that I've noticed in pitching at elevation is, and I think this is kind of just universally talked about in baseball is just that elevation, it's so much harder to, to break off uh, breaking balls. Um, like, you know, you play at, I would say even uh, the difference I notice the most is when we play at home and then we go play a series at like Casper or like Canyon County and it's at home, my sliders, you know, it's Effective, but I go in Casper and it's a wipeout pitch, and it's not that in Butte. And you know, at Butte, it doesn't help the winds blowing, you know, 20 miles an hour straight out to right field every day. And it's, it's exactly what it did last exactly, night, exactly. Yeah. it was like
0: nine homers in the game exactly. yesterday,
2: so very, very hitter friendly ballpark. You know, pair that with elevation and you know, breaking balls that don't break. And sometimes you know, starts can get away from you, and it kind of feels like it's not your fault. Uh, sometimes, but you can't, you know, let that get to your head, you just got to turn around. I mean, you're probably used to it, right? Yeah,
3: I, I grew up playing in Montana, so I know all about the elevation, and he's exactly right when he talks about your breaking ball is just not as sharp as it is when you're playing at sea level. Sioux Falls is a pretty low elevation place, so it's it was a big difference for me coming up here again, because I got, I got used to the elevation down there. And then coming back up here, just seeing how different it is, but... Like Camp said, when you got the elevation, you got the weather, you got whoever it is and stuff gets away from you, you just got to try to compete when you're not at your best. Like The old saying is for pitchers, 25% of the time, you're going to have your worst stuff ever. 50% of the time, you're going to be pretty mediocre and 25, you're going to have the best. And you can win when you're at your top 25, but it's how much you can win in that middle 50 that we really have had to try to learn this summer in Butte.
0: Now, obviously, you know, pitching seems to be a little bit harder up here are there specific pitches you guys lean on more often than not obviously every pitcher's got his he's got his magic trick right you know Clayton Kershaw's got that nasty curve and the nasty slider because he's just not a fastball guy you know the fastest I've seen him pitch now is like 90 miles an hour because he's 33 and he's getting up there in age but he can still you know he can get 9 10ks a game with it for you two do you feel like there's a pitch that you've specifically crafted out for yourself or do you feel like there's something you more so lean on because you know, that's what's going to get the job done at the end of the day?
2: Yeah, I think I was a little fortunate coming to elevation. Um, Cause I didn't realize how much I was going to have to lean on my, my sinker, given the kind of what we just talked about, the slider not breaking as much, but that's what I've found has been helpful in you know and, and I think using it more has made it a better pitch which is something that I'm, I'm glad I've had the you know the opportunity and the reps to do but also I think something I've had to do is a you know and that's uh, coach Cowan and I and, and welly like I said I've been working on a, a change-up and now it's, it's actually one of my better pitches um, and it's kind of new and it's it's helped me pitch at elevation because it's a pitch that you know you change speed you don't necessarily have to work you know rely on break like you do with a slider um, and I, I was kind of and coach Cowan pointed this out I was kind of a one-dimensional pitcher because I was I was sinker and that's that's a harder pitch that's a sinking fastball, and then I was slider and I have a harder slider. So I was never really, it was either you know hard fastball or hard slider, and I wasn't really changing speeds that much. I was more changing direction. Um, so really adding that third dimension of you know being able to change speed and also you know keep that pitch low, keep a up low at elevation helps me. You know if they get the ball up in butte. The pop flies rarely stay in at our park, you know, given the, that's true. <laughs> yeah. given the wind. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, being able to have a pitch that, you know, keeps contact on the ground and, you know, same thing with the sinker really keeps contact on the ground. Uh, if I can keep it low in the zone and, you know, inside on guys, um, that's definitely been what I've leaned on. And I found it's been an effective way to pitch here. Yeah. I
3: just try to rely on my fastball changeup combination, tunneling off the two. Um, I like to live fastball away. And then if I can go change up away as well, have the eye level already looking out and then dropping down 10 miles per hour in speed with the same look to it. That's how I kind of rely on, um, lefties. I try to break off the slider, but every once in a while I'll let it hang and, uh, see the ball go 500 feet, but (laughs) souvenir. Yeah. Souvenir for the fans. (laughs) I, uh, gosh, it's like big sticks. I gave up four solo home runs and I think two of them were hanging sliders. So it just some days you have it some days you don't
0: hey man it is what it is you know what they can't all be dingers and you know with that being said we're going to take a little break here and when we come back we're going to dive deeper into the backgrounds of Zach Camp and Andrew Leonard stay tuned guys we'll be right back
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome
0: back to Mind in the Field. I am still joined by Zach Camp and Drew Leonard. So, fellas, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the background here. How did you guys get into baseball, uh, and did you ever consider playing another sport besides baseball?
2: Yeah, I I don't remember ever not playing baseball. Um, I always played other sports, football, soccer, basketball a little bit, but it was always baseball for me i don't think i ever thought about playing another sport i don't yeah i don't even remember like how i got into baseball i just remember i played baseball like that's that's kind of i think how it is for a lot of guys at the college level but also just a lot of guys like from atlanta especially just because it's atlanta you can play baseball year round it's never really an off season so that's nice um that's why the sport's so big in the south
3: yeah, for me, I grew up playing everything, baseball, football, and all that good stuff. And then I actually was a ski racer growing up too. Ski racer? Yeah, I qualified for Junior Olympics when I was 16. What? Yeah. But Dude, that's sick. The dream the dream fell away from me, and it ended up quitting that. And then uh, same with football. I just, when I got to high school, realized that my path, if I was going to play college sports, was through baseball. So I had to specialize and just focus on that, and I'm glad I did. So that's how I got into baseball.
0: And you guys obviously stuck with baseball and specialized in that. How did you end up finding out that pitching was the position for you?
2: Um, I, th- I don't even remember my first time pitching. I think it was – they threw me in because we were losing by a ton, um, like 14U. It was the Oregon Park Sharks, 13U probably actually. And I remember – I used to play like third base and outfield. So I always had like a strong arm, but I'd never been off a mound before. So I had, had no clue what I was doing mechanically. So I just like threw hard and didn't like, and, and they were like, okay, like we can work with this. We can clean this up. So then I started pitching along with playing like outfield. I kind of dropped the infield. Then I got hurt playing uh, outfield. And then I really just specialized on pitching because at that point um, I was really only getting looked at collegially to pitch. Um, and so I'd say I'd specialize probably, I specialized probably my senior or junior year of high school just in pitching, but it was always paired with like, oh, I played center and left field and I pitched. Um, I was never like a primary pitcher.
0: So you're kind of like, you're kind of like Marty exactly the way, the way we use marty on our team yeah, yeah he's like exa- a yeah. utility guy basically because yeah. he plays left field and then he plays pitcher
2: exactly yeah i mean marty lasted a little longer than i did in the whole hitting outfield game uh, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> i couldn't Fair exactly enough. didn't hit for average or power so it wasn't a great combo there i could field it pretty well though but you know much better off a mound than i am at the plate <laughs> yeah i uh i actually went
3: into college as a two-way still so i didn't High school was our starting right fielder, and then I pitched every once in a while. It was kind of my thing. I was mainly hitting, and then I got recruited as a pitcher from Sioux Falls. And I actually brought it up to them saying, "I feel more comfortable hitting than I do pitching," and they looked at me and said, "You're left-handed." So that's what <laughs> that's what kept me as a pitcher. People so I, are
0: always harping on left-handed hitters, yeah, dude. Yeah. I so swear.
3: they at Sioux Falls, they let me be a two-way for my first couple years, and then I think it was fall of my sophomore year they said, you need to probably make a decision. So I just kind of looked at the roster, knew we had 15 outfielders and two left-handed pitchers. I was like, well, here we go. And so I've only been a PO for probably a year and a half now.
0: Solid. Now, obviously you guys went through the recruiting process for you two. When did you realize that college ball was going to be your next opportunity? Because I know there are a lot of baseball players and a lot of athletes who go through high school thinking they can play in college. And unfortunately, it just never becomes a reality or it's too expensive. But for you two specifically, obviously, you're still in college. When did that become a reality for you, knowing that you were going to be able to play at the next level?
2: Um, for me, I I started playing like summer baseball, um, pretty young and I think the goal for me was always to play college ball whether it be you know as an outfielder or as a pitcher I think probably my sophomore year of high school is probably when it was pretty much I had my mind made up yeah I'm gonna go play college ball it's just a matter of where um I was talking to like a f- few schools then I actually got injured my sophomore year um and but I, I went to a camp up in Philadelphia um it got seen by Swarthmore where I play now right before then um and they saw me pitch and they're actually more interested in me as a pitcher than a, a fielder and a hitter um so they offered me i think that was beginning of my junior year so that's really one and i and I, I jumped on it i committed so i knew junior year that you know i'm, I'm gonna go play college ball um so i guess yeah then yeah how about you lenny
3: yeah in <laughs> high school early on i had Gotten some looks by some schools and stuff like that. Gone to some camps. And, like, the biggest one for me was in Arizona. I just – we went down. There's a huge so- showcase tournament down there. So I emailed a bunch of schools that at the time I thought, who knows, maybe I can get lucky and get an opportunity. And one of them was Oregon State. Really good school. Won the national championship in 2018. And uh, They beat my hogs, man. Yep. So upset. Yep. I ended up uh, – their pitching coach sat behind home plate and watched me pitch the entire game. So I got lucky enough with a couple schools like that. I knew I was never good enough, but who knows? Maybe you could throw it out there and get lucky. But, no, I I always kind of knew I might get lucky and get an offer for college baseball. And then as I got into my junior season, we had just won a state championship. Shout out to 2017 Missoula Mavericks. Um, <laughs> which James Martin, our second baseman, was a teammate of mine for the state championship. Oh, nice, dude. And uh, – We had a bunch of guys on our team that were really solid. Our center fielder was going to San Francisco. James was going to Miles City. We had had scouts at a lot of our games. So I knew with peeing on a good team, I was going to get the opportunity and get some looks. And that's kind of when I realized it was during that run of state championship and then making it to the regional championship game
0: as well. Now, for baseball players, too, I've always wondered, with these camps that you guys go to during the summers and whatnot, what are you specifically working on there? You know, what is being developed for you in order to play better and become better during your seasons in the fall and
2: in the spring? Like, uh, are you saying, like, recruiting camps? Or? Yeah,
0: or basically, like, kind of like you're you're here right now for the summer mm-hmm. playing in the Expedition gotcha. League, and I know there's a lot of, like, summer ball camps mm-hmm. that you can go to. What specifically do you work on when you're at a camp like that?
2: Um, I've never really been to, like, a, a summer ball camp. Recruiting camps are kind of just, like like showcases almost i've never been to like a in, like a college just like instructional camp i've just like gone like oh like this is a place that i'm i'm interested in like playing college ball at like you know maybe if i go to the, like recruiting camp and like show out like you know they'll, they'll give me an opportunity um
0: okay see i've never actually heard of yeah. a recruiting camp yeah see, i didn't so, know this so was a like, thing this is something i'm yeah learning.
2: so that's for like like college or for like like high school athletes like especially baseball players want to go to college, you can go to like, like every college has you know, their own camp. They'll bring like, if it's a big D one. They'll bring a couple like D twos, D threes from the area there too. So like some of the guys that like think they can play at, you know, say Bama has a camp, right. And, you know, university of Alabama Huntsville comes there too. And they can go, you know, it's an opportunity for them to scout guys that want to play at Bama and get, you know, greater talent. So it's, it's kind of like to establish a talent pool for scouts to see. I probably what those camps are about. Yeah,
3: like, I've, I've been to a couple of those. I went to the University of San Diego's, Oregon State's, Seattle U's. Like, if they see you or hear about you, mm-hmm. they'll say, hey, come to our recruiting camp, yeah. and you can get seen that way. And a lot of guys end up getting recruited that way. Exactly. They see them once, and then they say, come perform in front of us for three days. And by the end of it, the top t- top guys end up with a scholarship and end up going to that school. Yeah. So those are those my experiences with it. And it was always cool to see the facilities, get the tours, and be at big-level schools and... Kind of fall through with that, and just see some really good baseball players coming through those camps. So I, yeah. I had fun with them.
2: I think sometimes I remember going to one specifically at Furman um, in South Carolina, um, where it was kind of like a mixture of both, a little bit instructional, mostly recruiting. They they kind of like show you. They have some of their players there. They show you like like here's our pitchers like weekly routine. Like here's what they're doing the day before a start. Here like just so like as a high school athlete, you can kind of have like okay, I can kind of mix this into my routine as well, but also, like, okay, I kind of have an expectation of, like, what's going to be, like, you know, at the college level, my responsibility. Like, okay, we're, in, you know, at Furman or whatever whatever institution your camp at is at. Like, okay, they're telling you we're, at the, we're in the weight room four or five times a week. All right, you know, all right, if I go to this school, you know, it's going to be that. I can start doing that in high school. So it kind of helps you off the field a little bit to prepare for college ball. So those camps are, I think, Good for younger players to go to just to get exposure, but also just to like know what to expect going in.
3: Yeah, Furman's cool and all, but they couldn't beat my Montana Grizzlies in the national championship in 2001. <laughs>
0: yeah, <There you> go Grizz, <laughs> go Grizz. Go <laughs> oh man, wow. Well. So, overall, what is the biggest piece of advice you could give to aspiring baseball players who
2: want to play at the college level? Um. you may have to go first if you got it off the top. Yeah,
3: I would just say don't quit. Stick with it. I have seen plenty of guys that were talented, had so much opportunity, that have just given up. Whether it's a bad coaching situation or just down on yourself in the game, just don't quit. Stick with it. It's, It's one of those games that if you stick around the longest, you'll look at where you're at. Like, for me in camp, we've never given up, and now here we are playing at good schools and playing for the Tommyknockers. You look up when you're at the top, and you're like, wow, I could have given up at this point, this point, and this point. Just stick with it, keep your nose clean, and work hard. That's really all I can say.
2: Yeah, I'd say definitely, like, don't quit, you know, work hard. Always trying to be, you know, working hard on the guy next to you, but also something, especially with college baseball and kind of just the, you know, turnover rate and variability there is, just in baseball you know college isn't as cutthroat as pro but you know college is cutthroat more than more so than high school so just be flexible you know I have an example of this um you know we had a guy come in to my college his name's Ari Fryer. he actually left um came as a catcher you know we had guys there as a deep position you know coach said hey you know play third he winds up you know if he would he he transferred out um and He's at Mesa Community College now, but um, you know he, he was going to be you know a starter at third base for four years, and you know that's something I don't think he knew coming into to college to expect. So you know to that to a guy you know if you never pitched before you know try it if it gets you the, the ability to play at college and that's something you want to do. If you never played a position before, but you know it gets you more play time. You know that, that's up to you. If you want play time, go do it.
0: All right. So shifting back to present day, I mentioned earlier that Drew yeah I'm just looking at your face right now you had a a bit of a situation a few weeks ago you were in the outfield and you took a nice pop to the forehead it kept you out for a little while explain to the people what happened and what was the recovery process like for you yeah not my uh, proudest
3: moment it was fourth of July we had just come from from the parade we were just it was a great time really excited for the game we had the helicopter coming in and I think we were five minutes away from first pitch. I was scheduled to come in that game out of the bullpen. I think camp was starting it actually. And um, five minutes before the game started, I was catching a flat ground for another pitcher, Jonathan Zayas, and I completely lost the baseball. And I wore a pitch right to the face, right to the forehead, and knocked me unconscious for a minute. I was seeing stars. I was dizzy. I couldn't even walk straight back to the dugout. Our trainer, Anthony, had to kind of save the day there and – he said, you need to go to the emergency room now. My eyes were dilated. It was bad. So they brought me to the ER and I had blood in the back of my throat, which was the concerning thing. And they were worried that I had cracked the sinus in my forehead and had some internal bleeding because of it. But luckily enough, they got me in the CAT scan and I was all good. there. It was just a little concussion. So went back to Missoula for a couple of weeks, enjoyed my two week vacation. I'd like to call it, but no, it was really good to be back in Butte and actually get to play on Thursday. It was my first game back with the team that I was fully healthy and was able to come in and get the win. So, I can't complain. It was just it's a good story.
0: My goodness. Now, did you have any kind of symptom going out there for game 1 against Pierre or was it completely cleared up for you? No,
3: I I've been pretty cleared up. I did get a little like, just the lights kind of mess with me at some points still. But other than that, I'm symptom-free, and I'm cleared by the doctors now. So I'm good. I'm ready to roll.
0: Awesome. Well, piece of advice for everyone, don't lose a baseball. <laughs> wear a mask if you're catching a flat ground. There you go. <laughs> just, just go COVID 2.0 and wear a giant mask. All right. So I do this every every show. I like to do it. Sometimes it catches people off guard. Sometimes it makes people laugh. But we're going to go into extra innings. And basically the premise of this is I have five fun questions for you guys. It can be a couple sentence answers. It can be one word answers. Doesn't matter. It's just something to get the people to um, you know know you a little bit better and also laugh a little bit. So with that being said, my first question to you guys, what are your hobbies outside of baseball?
2: All right, I'll go first. Um all right outside of baseball, um, kind of like I mentioned earlier, um, I'm really interested in finance and like I want to work in finance after college and baseball is over. So I do like to trade like stocks and options in my, you know, off time. Uh, it's fun. I'm trying to think of something that's like, you know, not so i don't know something not more, so smart person like no but just more entertaining than a <laughs> like, good answer like. <laughs> well
0: listen listen you're you're a rush fan okay oh there you right. go, yeah i mean
2: oh okay i mean I've, i collect vinyl i guess i do collect a lot okay. of vinyl that's it there you go um big into like classic rock big into like folk old country southern rock um like jam bands Lenny, throw some hobbies in. Yeah. For <laughs> me, I love going up to the lake. I'm, I love
3: surfing behind the boat, that type of stuff. Um, like going out and seeing Montana, beautiful forest, hanging out with my friends, stuff like that. I'm pretty lame. Baseball kind of consumes me too. And then school-wise, I'm a lot like camp. I'm an accounting minor and marketing minor, so I'm on that business side of it with him too.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how I forgot this. I'm a huge saltwater fisherman. Um, My dad and oh, I wow. go a ton. That's a big hobby of mine. Probably the biggest outside of baseball, yeah.
0: Yeah, we do it a little bit back in Florida on yeah. the St. John's River. We, yeah, we yeah. fish for a lot of sheep's head. Really, yeah. yeah. I go,
2: uh, like, Pensacola area, and then also, like, Steenahatchee, You go trout fishing, like, speckle trout fishing. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. All right, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? Batman, easy. Why Batman? I just love those movies, The Dark
3: Knight. <laughs> I, I would totally be Batman. Which one is the best one? I think the Dark Knight Rises
0: with the Joker. Agreed, agreed. Heath Ledger all day.
2: Um, I'd have to go Ant Man. Um, Ant Man, yeah, F- for multiple reasons. Um, <laughs> one, I think I mean that's my favorite of the Marvel series. Okay. Two, um, kind of a running joke back at college. My nickname's Ant Man. Um, so I mean, for them, I have to answer that. That's qu- just I have to answer that question like this. But also, just like. I think, yeah, it's a, that's a slept-on superpower. I think so. I think it's also, yeah, one of the funnier superheroes, too. So,
0: Fair enough. Paul Rudd's really yeah. hilarious. And honestly, if you can time travel by shrinking yourself into the quantum exactly. realm, I think that is a pretty awesome yeah. superpower. Mm-hmm. So completely agreed. All right. Obviously, every baseball player has pro aspirations. What team would you want to get drafted by and play for eventually in the MLB?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd have to go with the Atlanta Braves. I live five minutes from the stadium now. It's just like my hometown team. Yeah, I mean, I can't say any other team than that. For me, it's the
3: Boston Red Sox. I've been a Sox fan forever. I love. We went to Fenway when I was 12, and just such a great stadium. The Red Sox fan base is elite.
0: Um, They're good. Love the Red Sox, so it's easy for me. It's the Red Sox. So actually, fun fact about the Braves, the only MLB game I've gotten to go to, 2010, it was Braves-Giants game two, Tommy Hansen was pitching for the Braves, rest in peace, because he passed away a couple years ago, uh-huh. Tim Linscombe started that night too for the Giants, and you know, that's all fine and dandy, but I got to watch Chipper Jones hit a home run that night, and I gotta say, in the 2010s, I think that's every kid's dream, and I watched him hit, I think it was his 10th of the season at the time, right before he retired the next year, so watching chipper hit a home run for the braves nothing like it
2: yeah i'd say there's probably very few households in atlanta that don't have a number 10 jersey somewhere in their closet oh yeah, no doubt easily. or you
0: know for the fal if you're a falcon fan of matt ryan jersey oh at yeah. this point right
2: r.i.p julio r.i.p yeah. <laughs> julio
0: I-, I was more of a roddy white guy if i'm being honest yeah. i loved watching Ooh, matt ryan and roddy a white call. that was nasty
2: dude yeah yeah, unfortunately, I'm not really a Falcons fan. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguars fan.
0: Really? So. Hey, I'm, I'm from Duval. There you go. I went to oh, high school in Duval. Go, yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. I've been to a couple Jags games. Uh, unfortunately, they were Blake Bortles games, yeah. but you know. I mean, that's a legend. Blake of the itself. year. <laughs> <laughs> Blake of the year. It was it was the year after his 35-plus touchdown season, too, so it was pretty bad. But, you know, I'm a Raider fan, so that's why I went. I got to watch the Raiders play the Jags. Yeah. So, go Vegas, baby. We should have went back to Oakland and stayed yeah. there. Oh, all right, so I love this one. Your favorite cereal.
2: Ooh. Used to be Honey Smacks, but I don't think you can say that as an adult, so Honey Nut Cheerios.
0: Honey Nut Cheerios. Wait, Honey Smacks is the one with the frog on yeah, it. Yeah, but it's like
2: like 300% of your daily intake of sugar. Oh, dude, and and It's right. like so unhealthy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> dude, all cereals like 300% of daily sugar, if yeah, we're yeah. being honest. Oh, yeah.
2: I got to go with the GOAT, Cinnamon
3: Toast Crunch. It can't be beat.
0: <sighs> I, I forgot who said – somebody was hyping up the Cine milk on here. I think it was uh, Lacero. I think it was either him –
3: That would be a set. Yeah, thing. it yeah.
2: was
0: either him or Welly. Somebody hyped up the Cine milk, and then I was trying to say Golden Grahams were better than Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which I firmly believe. Golden Grahams Ooh. are underrated.
2: I don't know about that, but I but know – That's you can, a hot take. You can definitely have too much Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's like an overpowering flavor for me. I think that's fair. Yeah.
0: Fair enough. Everybody else has said Cocoa Puffs. Like Cowan hyped up Cocoa Puffs pretty big. I mean, that's just because just of the Choco Milk, though. That's why.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can't. Like, I don't know if it's like the best, but you can't. You can't ever go wrong with Cocoa Puffs.
0: Like... No, no. If you're if you wake up, and you have no food in the house, and you see you have Cocoa Puffs, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, or Lucky Charms, <laughs> which one would you go with? That's the real question here. This is a jumping off of that question.
2: Oh, oh. (laughs) my roommate and I in college used to mix Cocoa Puffs and uh, Lucky Charms in our dining hall.
0: I'm definitely a cereal mixer myself, dude. It's so good. So
2: maybe that, I don't know.
0: Run the options by me again. So we have um, Cocoa Puffs, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Lucky Charms. Again, stick with the goat. Cinnamon Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Stick with the goat. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. And my final question, I don't want to get too too deep here. So, you know, stay with me. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, we, we
2: did this. With
0: our- We've been talking about this all season, and I'm gonna get to the bottom of it by the end.
2: Can I go first? Yeah, I got put my <laughs> email chain.
0: I am <laughs> just,
3: I'm done with eating hot dogs from this summer. We've same had bro, two and Too many of them. So I'm gonna go with no, simply because I am just on a uh, boycott of hot dogs. So, and I love hamburgers and cheeseburgers it's by far my favorite food. So oh, no. easily. Yeah, it's not even in the same category. It's not close. Um, if I could eat something other than a hot dog, that'd be great. That'd...
0: Well, listen, let's jump off of that real quick while he's pulling up the email chain for uh, proof. <laughs> you you talked about burgers. I'm a burger guy myself. Is there a place you can distinctly think of that is served ultimately the best burger you've ever had or something close to it?
3: Yes. So I have two notables. The first one is in Lewiston, Idaho. I don't even know the name of it, but the burger is as big as a plate. No way. It's like a two pound, it's more than that, but... It is massive. Like, I couldn't even fit my hand over how big the burger is. And the whole oh point of it is you eat it with a knife and a fork. Okay. So, that place is really good. And then um, Rich Wine's Burgerville up in Polson, Montana, is my favorite place to go. But another one that's – I have to manch- mention this since is my family restaurant – is Pork Chop John's here in Butte. <laughs> I'm an Orzati, so I had to plug that at some point.
0: Yeah, I everybody was telling me that it's your grandfather who owns it, correct?
3: My grandpa was Pork Chop John, and was he Pork passed Chopped away John. in 2015, so now R.I.P. my two uncles own it. But yeah, it's it's been great to have the Pork Chop Johns connection here in town, and everybody knows me as an Orzati, my mom's last name, so it's been cool.
0: And listen, we're not telling anybody to go to Pork Chop Johns. However, if they happen to stumble in and they didn't know what to order, what would you recommend? You got to get a chop fully loaded. That's the best thing that they have all right camp you look like you're ready
3: all man. right so
2: run the question back because i want to remember i want to make sure it's the same one
0: is a hot dog a sandwich and the last time i talked about this mm-hmm. i i think it's a taco personally.
2: so so that's what we concluded It was taco unless the 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 closed side has, has broken broken then it, a then it becomes a sandwich then it becomes a sandwich so
0: it's dynamic then yeah it's, it's a
2: dynamic yeah. food correct yeah yeah <laughs> it, it can evolve yeah <laughs>
0: All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you have it there. A hot dog is officially a dynamic food confirmed by Zach Camp. But fellas, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for being on Mining the Field. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Billy Adams. This has been another episode of Mining the Field. Thank you so much for joining us here on KBMF 102.5 FMLP of Viewed America. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time.